Let's talk. For me, the 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 topic of um, what I did is is a topic that's hard for me to ease into. I really don't like to um, beat around the bush with that topic. That's um, one of the things that, um, if you know me for an extended period of time, that truth will come out. And the reason I um, share my truth is because I want you to have all the information about Scott J. I want you to be able to judge me with everything. And once I tell you my truth, then it's up to you to make the decision whether you want to deal with me. So when I was 17 years old in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was given a 13-year prison sentence because I killed two people. This is Free Scotty J, a documentary podcast series from the Charleston Activist Network. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. And here, in episode three, Scotty reveals more details surrounding the crime he committed as a freshman at Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's take a listen as he shares his story and let you in to know a little bit more about his truth. So it all really started in the summer of 96. In the summer of 96, I decided to come to Johnson C. Smith to have a jump start on the incoming freshman. So you applied to go to college at Johnson C. Smith University in the Charlotte area. So you were a student, incoming freshman. Yeah. So I was um, an incoming freshman at John C. Smith, um, country boy coming from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, my family's financial situation at that time wasn't the best, but we weren't poor. But I couldn't get a lot of the things that I wanted. Things that you needed or wanted? Wanted. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the difference. You know, but as a as a as a child with peers who parents were able to provide just a little more or even my peers that um, didn't have parents to provide for them who got got out in the street and you know got it on their own you know I was a product of all that so when I saw that um you know, that's, that's just what I took to Johnson C. Smith with me. So in my mind, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to school um, to learn, the first thing I thought about is, man, I'm broke. I'm going all the way from Charleston to Charlotte without, no, without any money. Let me holler at my homeboy over here and cop an ounce. So that's what I did. I cop, cop the ounce of weed. I don't know. It might have cost like... Back then, it might have cost like $120, something like that. But my mind state was, you know, I don't got no money. I don't got no job. I'll take this little reef up there, and I'll flip it. And then if I make money, that's that'll be the way I support myself. 
so this all began in Charleston, the planning. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. planning started in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm-hmm. So literally when I um, got to Johnson C. Smith, uh, I was sitting in Liston Hall with a with a with a with a sandwich bag full of weed and I sold out like in the first hour. And I'm like, oh shit. And from that point on, really, I wasn't even concentrating on school. Yeah, so, you know, like in one hour, I sold out my whole pack. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> this is what it is. You know, I, I, I can finally find a way to support myself without having to call mom and ask mom for any money. So I'm good. And so, um, but after, the problem was, the weed that I brought to school, I, I got I brought it from Charleston. So once I got up there, I didn't have any connect. And so somebody on the campus introduced me to the guys. Um, passenger and driver. The passenger and driver. You know, and we um, we formed a um, a relationship. So these weren't fellow students; these weren't friends, and we're identifying them as passenger and driver for the intention just to, to protect their family and protect right. their identity. Um, but these were not your friends. No, they they were not my friends at first. Mm. You know, at first they was just the connect. Mm. You know, and. I was young. We all we all were young. We all were young. You think they were around the same age? Yeah, you? definitely, definitely. They just did. They just um, was not in college, you know. So I started buying from them, but I was buying so much. They started giving me uh, weed too. They call it fronting. You know what I mean? So they was fronting me. So what does that mean to be fronted? Fronting just giving you something on co-assignment, you know. So how do you pay? I, get, pay I, for I, I I I give you this ounce, bring me back a hundred dollars, and you keep the rest. You know what I mean? So I did that for a while, and my plan was to um, sell all the way up until the fall when everybody came back to campus for good. Okay, so you're on campus the summer before the fall semester began. Right, right. Okay. So my plan is I'm going to get my name out there. During the summertime, everybody going to be coming to me. Everybody going to be buying uh, from me. And when the, the kids come in for the fall, they going to come in and I'm already be the man. And that's how I went down. You know, so once the kids from... Um, out of town and everybody started coming in looking to get high I got it so so really uh, once they came in school was out the door I think eventually I would have ended up um, failing out of school because so school was no longer a priority once once you I saw the making success. money mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and um, so I was introduced to the guys at first, but eventually we became friends because we spent so much time together, you know. And um, and we had a we had a we had a normal teenage relationship. Did you, you know? did you fear them ever? Did they all did they come off as intimidating or, free, or fearful? No, I I I, I um, 
I'm the guy that's never afraid because I think everybody's gonna be cool with me. So maybe that was being naive, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I've put myself in a lot of positions when I was younger and as an adult looking back, I, I God was with me a lot. And a lot of, and a lot of the places uh we hung out in. But um yeah, the passenger and the driver, we became we became real good friends. And but I guess once once the, once the school year started back and I started making enough money, I started thinking different. And my thinking was, well, if I'm spending all this money with them and they still front me, let me just cut them out and go to their plug. Now I'm 41. I made those decisions when I was 17. So coming up in the game, that's a no-no. There is no way your plug is going to introduce you to his plug. It just don't happen like that. And just for those who don't understand, what's the plug? The plug is the The supplier. The supplier, supplier. okay. Yeah. So it's not going to happen. But being young and naive, I (laughs) I thought it was... Um, a good suggestion, <laughs> you know. So, so you broached this topic with passenger and the driver, right? Right. Did Did you sense like when you communicated what you wanted to do? Did you sense any type of like hesitation or, or do you remember? I I I, I didn't I didn't sense it because I was too naive to even try to detect it. But in their mind, and you got to look. You gotta look. You gotta look at it from the mind of the passenger and the driver. If you cut us out and we're making so much from you, then how are we gonna make up for this? So really, you taking out of their mouth. So that's when things changed. That's when things changed, and that's when I'm sure the idea came about in their minds. So things went on for a while and the final night when everything took place was our final night. That was a night where I was making my last purchase from them and I was supposed to meet the big man. So you so you, the passenger and the driver coordinated the night where you were gonna get introduced to their supplier. That's right. Okay. Uh, so I thought. Okay. How was the night supposed to go down? The night was simply supposed to um, go down um, by me being picked up from Liston Hall, the freshman dormitory, um, driving around to uh, driving around by the old football field and making the transaction. The Johnson C. Smith football field. Yeah. Mm-hmm to make the transaction mm-hmm. but um the place that we stopped the, uh, the corner the, uh, no not the corner mm-hmm. we stopped um by um a park in the graveyard up under a tree okay and campus security came by and that's what made us move from that spot and when we moved from that spot that's what took us that's what took us down 
up under the overpass to the left to the quiet neighborhood where where we were standing when exactly. we recorded okay. exactly exactly so um i get picked up from the school we drive by, by the passenger and driver by the passenger and driver mm-hmm. we drive to the basketball court Near up the under the tree mm-hmm. near the park by the graveyard mm-hmm. and from there we our journey took us under the overpass and and to the left then we stopped and the driver he got out the car because he got he got out the car to retrieve the bag he threw out of the car when we were driving. So, see, so, I and I and I know I'm, I'm I know I'm skipping a lot, but if you think about um, the sto- uh, the story I told you um, in episode one, where um, you know the cop, we saw the cop first, and before he stopped the us, campus police, the, uh, the campus police, mm-hmm. and before he stopped us, mm-hmm. we uh, were able to throw the bag with the with the work up under the overpass so after he stopped us and and got our um ids and all that stuff he let us go so we went back and uh retrieved the bag and and we went up under the overpass and to the left and when the driver got back in the car he was like you ready and when he and basically were you expecting another person to pull up yeah oh no 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 because if you're going to be introduced to the plug no uh uh-uh. what was you uh-uh. expecting i was expecting to meet the plug what i wasn't expecting is for them to just basically say this is from the plug give me the money you know what i mean that's what they were proposing right right but it was cool but it was cool because i didn't know any better to think anything else I'm 17 I didn't know any better you know I didn't know any better to think that they were doing something because I'm 17 and I don't know the game so really I think these are my friends which they were but a but a part of the game is being wise enough to know that money changes people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he got in the car and he asked me if I was ready. And when he said ready, I took that to mean, are you ready to complete the transaction? That's what we always do. It was natural. So naturally, I went into my pocket and got my money, naturally, without any fear. And once I got my money out, let me paint a different picture. We were sitting in like a 1990 BMW, you know, with the... Uh, with the bucket seats and you and if you're sitting in a the driver's seat and a front passenger seat you could easily scratch your arms to the back seat without anything stopping you you know okay. what I mean cuz it's bucket seats you know what I mean so when the driver asked me if I was ready and I pulled my money out 
it was it, it was easy for him to reach between the seats and grab my money and that's when that's the first time I felt I was in danger that's the because, first time. because of how he grabbed for the money because of how um how aggressively he grabbed for the money because we always did deals so it just be like a simple transaction and but the way he grabbed for it he grabbed for it like to take it and I felt his aggression so at this point we are going back and forth it's almost like a, a, a tussle over the money and when I looked to the side the passenger had a gun on me and so when I saw the gun my first reaction was to smack you know if I, I you, you see something you see yourself in danger your first reaction is a like so you so you so your first instinct was to like take your hand and swat it yeah swat the actual yeah. weapon yeah away from passenger uh, uh, yeah but no away from me because oh, the the okay, weapon right. was pointed on me so when I when I see it pointed in my direction my first reaction is to get the barrel out of, out of my sight so driver grabs the money aggressively then Dri- driver grabs the money so I'm I'm in the middle mm-hmm. I'm in, in the, the middle back of the back seat mm-hmm. the driver of course is in the driver's seat which mm-hmm. is on the left mm-hmm. and the passenger is on the right so me and driver tussling and passenger on the right has a gun on me so I could see passenger on the right with the gun when I when I saw the passenger with the gun on me my first reaction was to def- almost like a, a natural reaction a um, natural defense reaction would be to swat the gun swat the barrel from going off and shooting you so when I smacked the barrel, the gun fell in the back seat. And then what did you do? Once the gun fell in the back seat, I immediately picked the gun up and shot twice. You fired the weapon two times. Two times. And once, and after the after uh, the two shots went off, it was. Um, do you feel comfortable saying that you shot at? each person once is is that okay to is that okay to yeah that's that's that's, that's accurate yeah so and you shot one at driver two at passenger correct but you just don't know what yeah you not you may not be sure who you did what direction you fired in first okay man okay yeah and okay what are you thinking right now? When you thinking back to this? I mean, it was kind of like, um, like I, I, I can't believe, like the 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 person I, I, the person I know, it doesn't match up with a person that did this in my head like when I think of well, some- the person I knew 
didn't match up with the person that was in the car. You talking about with you? I didn't know I could do that. Mm. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know I was um, capable of taking somebody else's life. I guess I didn't really. Have you ever come close in any other way? I mean, no, of course. I mean, I, I used to hunt birds with my BB gun and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. and I was actually the person who was uh, always fearful of guns, simply because I'm from the South, and I know a lot of people that get killed accidentally. So you don't like guns? Oh no, <laughs> I, I can't stand guns. That's you see how it's yeah. kind of ironic. Yeah, because I know how I know how serious guns are, and I know that um, once a a gun gets involved, there's a possibility that the outcome could be very serious. So, so take me back into the car. You shot twice. So after I shot twice, what did you observe? Did you feel? Did you realize what you've done? Did you? What did you see? Um, I don't know. I think I saw. It was very quiet. It was loud. Then it was very quiet and smoky and a real. Uh, a smell in the car that I never smelled before. So it could have been a smell of blood and gunpowder, or could have been just the gunpowder. But did you hear them making any noises? I didn't hear anything. You know, everything was quiet. That was it. Was really, really quiet. Was Was the gun still in your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Because I know I had stuff in the car. Stuff like what, a backpack? Yeah, like my book bag and with all my um, baggies and then, you know, mm-hmm. my uh, my laboratory. And so... So drug paraphernalia. So I, I know that um, I got up all my stuff out of the car, you know, Made sure I have my uh, my uh, money. Did you think you did you think at that moment, as you gather as you gathering yourself? Oh shit! I just took two lives. I don't know if I said those words, but I think I definitely knew that there was a possibility that they were dead. Because it was just so quiet. And before the gunshots, we were talking. Yeah. I think the part that really, uh, that I probably think about the most is that we were kind of like friends. You know? So you didn't get it. You didn't understand how it got. We were, we were, uh, I've been over to the driver's house before and I 
seen his men his mother you know so the situation was unfortunate but I always and I know I was protecting myself but I just wish it was a different outcome without a loss of life even if we were wasn't friends no more after that you know so because you know those those dudes could have they could have easily and um got their life together turned into awesome men and uh, fathers and husbands and so do you think about how everyone's life oh yeah yeah you think about the impact and it's not a the impact is a it's a lifelong impact it's not something that's gonna go away with time you know it's not gonna go away Mm. and so so once that happened you know I just I was I ran because you know naturally that's what you do I hate I hate I absolutely hate it when the police catch you or you turn yourself in or whatever you do and the first and the first question they ask is well sir why did you run what the hell you think I ran for cause I was scared what are you afraid of you think I mean the seriousness of my actions you know and the law acts like a black man can't be afraid (laughs) we 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 we, we not supposed to be scared you know so dude I ran because I was motherfucking scared you know Mm -hmm. but I know when we recorded out we were out on that on that corner where all this took place and we were recording and then I asked you where did you run and you we stopped recording mm-hmm. are you comfortable with telling me like I know we know from the rest of the we know from the rest of the episode that was that was um, created that you did go on the run so after the gunshots I just ran. I ran, threw the gun away. I'm not sure exactly where I threw the gun. I just knew I tossed it. But as I was running, I saw one of my homeboys. From the college campus? From the college campus. I saw a fellow student. Yeah. And I don't, and and honestly, I don't think he knew. He didn't know anything what was going on. You know, because he was just coming back to the school. And mind you, we didn't have cell phones back then. So <laughs> it wasn't any social media, Facebooking or nothing like that. So um, he saw me walking, picked me up. What's up, Scott? Why are you walking, bro? I'm just chilling, man. I'm just, you know, trying to get my mind straight. Um, can you give me a ride back to the campus? Like, yeah, sure. That's what's up. I appreciate it, man. So we riding back to the campus. 
You see, um, what side you want to go on? I said, man, take me to the main campus. But as I'm pulling up to the campus, I could just feel that something was out of place. You know, it was a Thursday night. It was a lot of activity, a lot of cars coming and going. And that was unusual for a Thursday night. It was very unusual. Um, a, a lot of fast footsteps, like not normal, casual walking, but people walking with a pep in their step. So when we turned on campus, I immediately felt that energy. And so I was like, man, nah, fuck this, bro, man. Uh-uh. Man, just, 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 just take me back. Just take me um, across the street to my dormitory so I can get my clothes and get the fuck up out of here. He's like, all right, cool. So we make a U-turn, and I can't remember the dude's name, but I remember, just like it was yesterday, I'm in the passenger seat, and I, I'm literally in the passenger seat with my brim cocked low, trying to disguise myself. And one of my homeboys, I can't remember his name, but he looked over his shoulder and he saw me and he looked straight. Then he looked back real quick again, like, oh shit, there goes Scott. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? This nigga looking at me like that for, you know, I'm super paranoid now. So what I think is when he saw me, he ran over to my other homeboys and like, yo, Scott just pulled up. So when I pull up to the freshman dormitory, like 10 of my homeboys, you know, they ran at me like, yo, Scott, yo, Scott, what's up, what's up, man? Why you shoot them niggas, man? Why you shoot them niggas? I'm like, man, what the fuck y'all talking about? Man, I ain't shoot no goddamn body. Y'all fucking, man, fuck this shit. I'm about to go in the dormitory, pack my shit, and get the fuck up out of here. And that's when one of my partners was like, yo, man, don't go in that dormitory, bro. I'm like, what the fuck you talking about? He said, yo, police everywhere. As soon as he said that, I can hear the choppers. And that's when I got real scared. And so I was like, man, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I just I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to leave. And so all of us being young and adolescent and stupid, all of us jumped in the car together. like 10 niggas in the car driving. What kind of car? Uh, I don't know, man. Like one of those old school uh big junks you know like caddies or something like that I got you so we all in the car and I'm telling you we might have drove like 20 feet and one of the guys in the back I guess he had a a moment where like hold up I'm riding in the car (laughs) with this nigga that done shot two people and all these people in this city looking for this one dude and I'm riding the car with him. He said, ho, ho, ho. Man, stop, stop, stop. And I'm turning around like, man, yo, what the fuck wrong with you? He like, man, man, just let me out the car. Let me out the car. All right, man. Well, get the fuck out then. And the funny part is when he got out, everybody got out that motherfucker right behind him. You know, like, this is a nigga, we cool with you, but we, nah, this this is this your battle to fight by yourself. So, and, so did 
everyone get out the car? Everybody said for two people. And that's where, okay. Yeah. So the story you told about, you know, that my friends, the, the taking friends holding, me, holding you down. Taking me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so those are the two people. Yeah, but, okay. I got but the crazy thing is I'm from Charleston. And I was just in Charlotte for a few months. Right. So I... I did not know my way around Charlotte. Neither did my friends, because none of us were from Charlotte. Right. We drove around Charlotte for about 30 minutes trying to find the freeway. Oh, wow. And once I got on the freeway, once we finally got on the freeway and started driving away from Charlotte, I felt better. Why? I don't know, but I know it has to do with um, a lot with the way I live my life and the, and the changes that I want to make in my life when it comes to conflict. Because when I'm faced with something so serious, a lot of times I run and I sit there and deal with the problem. Even even now. Even now. Oh, I'm much better now because I realized that um, and only way, the only way to fix it is to face it. You know? So, yeah. I think one question that I have is how did you, how did you feel after, after shooting a uh, passenger and driver? Um, I was numb. I um, knew I uh, I knew I had committed an act that was going to alter the course of my uh, my life without a doubt. You know, I know it was um, I knew it was serious. You know, I think in the beginning, initially. Um, when I left the campus and drove around Charlotte for about 30 35 minutes because we were lost um, I was more afraid then than I was once we finally made the uh, interstate and put some distance between us you know the distance was um, the distance made me feel safe um, you mean the physical distance the from- physical distance made me feel safe because I knew that I would at least have a quick second to get my thoughts together you know even though things were happening super fast you know it was like how did you feel about about passenger and driver about what you you did to them well at first I was angry during the act or immediately following the act I I think um, during the act I wasn't angry I was just more I think I went from shock to to anger to to fear 
then to numbness numbness was the last feeling right you know through all through all those steps you know i was able to the thing that helped me the most the thing that helped me the most is throughout the throughout uh, through the through the remorse through the the guilt the through the anger um through the numbness in that short period of time i told myself that you are going to prison and you're going to be there and i think that helped me a lot when you decided to reconcile with the inevitable yeah outcome yeah, of yeah. you being in prison that helped me a lot because you know i knew that um what happened was serious you know so what you did what i did and i knew i just had to adjust immediately because this is what it is this the reality now you know yeah you fucked up you can't take it back so like how i know so how do you i'm gonna ask a very plain how do you live with yourself knowing that you took two lives well i believe in god and i'm remorseful and but i don't need any medicine I'm not an alcoholic or anything like that. My recipe was God. Is God. Without God, it ain't no Scott J. So So you're saying that your faith your faith is what got you to help you reconcile with, with what you did, the commission of your crime. Yep. Do you ever feel like a murderer? No. The court says you are. I don't care what the court says. So what are you? I am a person who protected themselves. And unfortunately, it was two lives lost. But How do you want the public to view you? How do you want the public to process you, a man who was convicted and someone who served time? who served 13 years for two counts of second-degree murder. How do you want folks to see you? I want them to see me for who I am, not um, my record. You know, and... Do you care if people think you're a cold-blooded killer? Do I care? I would like people to view me differently, but do I care... I don't think so, because uh, I feel that um, their opinions would change once they get to know me. So initially, I really don't. um, It wouldn't bother me because I feel that they get to know who I am and what I'm about today, that their opinions would change. So I just want to have a platform and a voice strong enough to uh, reach people and change people. Throughout these first three episodes, I wanted to give you an honest and accurate depiction of both Scotty and the crime he committed. 
The following episodes are going to go on to answer that fundamental question. What's freedom like for those who have made contact with the criminal justice system? Juveniles, women, men, you name it. So please stay tuned. And until next time, stay free.